Well, today we come to the end of our series on King Hezekiah, um, which we've looked at in Kings and Chronicles and Isaiah. Hezekiah that was brought up in a family. He was a royal family. His father was king before him. Um, and yet he was a king, his father, that just shut out the God of Israel from Israel, Israelite life. He uh, nailed up the temple doors. Um, and Hezekiah broke with that tradition. He is one of the kings who followed God probably more diligently than any other king um, apart from David. He reopened the temple. He reestablished the supremacy of Israel's God in the nation, in its life and psyche. He was faced with some enormous challenges. Um, the top nation at the time was the Assyrians, and they had taken nation after nation after nation. And for some time, they were camped outside Jerusalem, where Hezekiah was. But he held on and believed God for deliverance, and God gave him that deliverance. At the age of 39, he became fatally ill, um, but God healed him and gave him an extra 15 years of life. So in the lessons we've sort of looked at and learned, heard over the last couple of months is that Hezekiah's history didn't define him. He was brought up in a family that was opposed to God, but he himself turned and walked with God. He sought to follow God, and prayer was central to that. You'll find this is a king that knew what it was to seek God, um, particularly in difficulties. Um, he faced the enormous challenges from much larger nations, but he saw fantastic victories. He was the only king that wasn't defeated by the Assyrians. The only king. And there's a list of king after king after king after king that the Assyrians um, sort of basically dethroned. He also faced the mortality as he becomes fatally ill, and yet God comes and heals him. And he wins these victories by having a trust, a deep trust in God, and also by inspiring others to trust God. And normally when you come to an end of a series, you sort of end on a very triumphant note as you look back over it all. But today, we're going to look at the mercy of God in bringing Hezekiah to repentance. It's the mercy of God in bringing Hezekiah to repentance. It says in the Bible, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that makes us face up to the fact that we are wrong and he is right. And to turn from believing we're right to believing he is right. So we're going to read from 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and it's verses 22 to 31. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and uh, starting at verse 22. And this sort of uh, goes through quite a bit of his reign, really. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many people brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. 
From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great wealth and honor, and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for his precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuables. He also made buildings to store the harvest of grain, new wine and olive oil. And he made stalls for various kinds of cattle and pens for the flocks. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given him very great riches. It was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gion Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. He succeeded in everything he undertook. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. It's an incredibly sober statement, isn't it? God left him to test him to know everything that was in his heart. Hezekiah became proud. And maybe he thought, he looked back and he said, I've been king for around about 15 years now. And man, have I done a good job. I have restored the worship of Yahweh to Israel. My dad, he shut the temple. I've opened up the temple. I've brought the presence of God back into the very center of Israelite life where it should be. I've held a Passover. And not only that, this Passover was the first one since the time of David that had, had most of the tribes of Israel come to it. Even those tribes which aren't part of my kingdom. They came from Israel rather than Judah, my kingdom. They came, though they had been destroyed by the Assyrians, they still came to the Passover. David was the last person to do that some 250 years previously. I am the one king that the Assyrians haven't defeated. I'm pretty good. I've got this. I had the bright idea of when an army comes and surrounds Jerusalem, they're okay because this spring... They've got water. He said, but if I dig a tunnel and direct the water into Jerusalem, they'll have no water, whereas Jerusalem will have. And we all know how important water is. And so he built a tunnel that directed this spring away from outside the city into the city. And that tunnel is still there today, as is the little inscription made by the workers of we've done it, basically. <laughs> and uh, when, in part of this inscription, they dug the tunnel one, sort of both sides, 
And uh, I don't know how they did it, but they managed to meet in the middle. And just before they broke through in this inscription, they realized they can hear the water running. And then there's this cheer among the workers as they knock through the final bit of the brock and the springs start flowing and the pool of water begins to fill up that is going to feed Jerusalem in the event of a siege. Hezekiah did that. And he thought, maybe he thought, not only that, when I was on the point of death, God healed me. Pretty cool, eh? Everyone knows I'm about to die and God heals me. I've got a pretty good track record. 15 years as king and he turned the nation round. I'm just going to read a little bit from Isaiah chapter 39. Now Isaiah was a prophet that was around at the time of Hezekiah. And it was Isaiah that both prophesied um, that Hezekiah would die. And then um, remember the story probably from two weeks ago where Hezekiah is leaving. God says, actually, Isaiah, Hezekiah is praying. I've heard his prayer. Go and tell him he'll live. And uh, this is Isaiah's account of that brief statement about envoys from, from Babylon coming. <clears throat> At that time, the son of the king of Babylon sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, a little bit of historical background. The Assyrians at this time were top nation. They were overrunning the world. Babylon was an emerging kingdom. And as an emerging kingdom, part of the story here is they've discovered a king who has been undefeated by the Assyrians. Then they've heard that he's got ill and he's about to die and he has a miracle from the gods. Because that's how they would have seen it. A miracle from the gods. So, Babylonian king thinks, hang on a minute, there's a king down the road. I mean, it's a thousand miles or so, but it's down the road. It's a few months travel. The Assyrians haven't defeated him. He seems to have a powerful God because he's healed him when he was about to die. This would make a good connection. Babylon and Judah, two kingdoms together. And I suspect in the back of his mind was, we could rule the world. So he sent his son to see Hezekiah. And Hezekiah says, you can imagine, can't you? Okay, it's an emerging kingdom. You've come to find out a little bit about us. Hey, have a look at what we've got. And, and Hezekiah shows this son everything. Then Isaiah pops up. Verse 3. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say and where did they come from? 
Hezekiah replies, Oh, they came from a distant land. They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hmm, Hezekiah says. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. For he thought, whew, there'll be peace and security in my time. <laughs> this is all going to happen in the future. And this is the pride of Hezekiah. He's done all these great works. And then in the reading, he showed the Babylonians all his storehouses, his armory, his treasures. They saw everything in my palace. And he says to Isaiah, there is nothing among my treasure that I did not show them. This is God's mercy, what happens next. See, God knows Hezekiah is only halfway through his reign. God knows Hezekiah has done well. God wanted Hezekiah to succeed. So he tested his heart. And Hezekiah failed. God left him. Said, Guy, Hezekiah, these envoys are coming. I want to see how you will respond to them. And how he responded was, look at what I've done. Look at all my treasures, my jewels. Look at my armory. Look at my healing. Look at what I have done. And he failed the test. He'd had years of battles, struggles, and success. But now God says to him, you failed. Your heart has failed. And God says through Isaiah, in Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. Amen? I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And what has Hezekiah done? He's taken the glory for what God has done. Did Hezekiah defeat the Assyrians? No, it was God that stepped in in answer to prayer. And God is saying to him, look, you've not done it, Hezekiah. It is me. 
I should receive the glory for this. One of the things that God is showing Hezekiah is the trouble is once you, once you begin, to, begin to say, I've done this, you then have to keep it up. And Hezekiah wasn't going to be able to. Came across this verse this week. Lord, you establish peace for us. It's really nice, isn't it? The next part of it, in all honesty, I griped a little bit about. And it'll be interesting to see how you take it. Lord, you have established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. And my gripe was this. <laughs> Just a minute, God. Actually, I've worked quite hard for what I've got. <laughs> Actually, God, <coughs> I've... I've prayed through nights. I've endured hardships. I've worked hard to make my marriage good. And at the risk of being hit by a lightning bolt, there's part of me is like, and you have the cheek, God, to say you've done it all? You've done all this? What about my effort? What about what I have done? And you can see this in Hezekiah. As the envoys came, look at this lot. I've done it all. And God says, all that you have accomplished, I did it. I am God. I will not, leave, I will not, kneel, will not yield my glory to another. One of the <coughs> verses, or one of the prophecies that is coming across the churches of the UK, and over my lifetime it's, it's come up a, a number of times, and each time it's had an effect on the church, is God is wanting his church back. God is wanting to be God of his church, to lead it again. COVID has taken down a lot of the scaffolding around the church. And he is changing us. At the Catalyst Leaders Conference um, a couple of weeks ago, one uh, guy got up and he gave a very powerful word. And he just said, I was reading the other day from Mark verse 14 and it says Jesus called his disciples to be with him it's very simple very basic Jesus called his disciples to be with him and as his children that is our primary responsibility to be with him that doesn't mean that we're sitting down praying all the time it doesn't mean that we're sitting reading our Bibles all the time. But he has the priority over our lives. 
He has the priority over the type of jobs we do. He has the priority over how we spend our money. He has the priority over how we spend our leisure time. He has the priority over our life. Mark 3.14 says he gave his... He called his disciples to be with him and to take the gospel. And my question today for us, and obviously I've had to work through this a little bit myself, is where do we go when God leaves us alone? Do we look back and think, hey, I'm pretty good. I've chosen, I've chosen to be one of God's children. He must be pretty pleased about that. There's not too many Dave nuns like me. Do we say, well, actually, I've got gifts. And I can use them. But then do I think, what if people do not notice me? Do I have to do this absolutely right? <clears throat> what if people don't respond? Where do we go if God leaves us? Hezekiah stepped back and said, Hey, look at all I've done. God, you must be pleased. God says, I am the Lord. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. This is all that we've accomplished, you have done for us. Why? Because he is God. Before the creation of the world, he chose each one of us. Before, before while we were still groveling around in the muck of sin and wrongdoing in his sight, he was preparing a glorious plan of salvation for us. And at just the right time, he spoke to us. Just the right time, maybe he's going to be speaking to you and saying, come into my kingdom. And then as we step through the door, he anoints us with his Holy Spirit to empower us to live. He gives us gifts so that we can serve one another. He's prepared good works in advance that we can do. That old lady you helped across the road, he'd planned it before the creation of the world that she would be there so that you could help her. This is our God, the one who loves us, the one who holds our hands and enables us to walk each day, the one who enabled Hezekiah to defeat the Assyrians, the one who stirred people to come to Hezekiah and say, hey, Hezekiah, have some jewels, have some gold, have some precious stones. We want to, in a way, honor what you are by this, these presents who enabled the crops to grow, 
the olives to flourish so that they had an abundance of olive oil. This was God working behind the scenes. Yes, Hezekiah had to pray. Yes, Hezekiah had to, <coughs> had to put on his sackcloth and ashes. Yes, Hezekiah had to go to the prophet and say, am I going to live? Am I going to die? What do we do here? Yes, it was Hezekiah that had to stir the people and say, yeah, don't listen to what the Assyrians are saying. We have a God who can defeat us. But when God left him to see what was in his heart, there was pride at what he was. There was pride at what he was. And God's mercy is this. God knew that Hezekiah was only just over halfway through his reign. He was, by this time, he was going to have another maybe 13 years of ruling Judah. And God could see what was going to happen. If he allowed this pride to grow in Hezekiah, his anger at the pride would begin to exert judgment on, on Judah and on the king and on the nation. And God said, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to reveal to you, Hezekiah, what is really in your heart. I'm going to reveal to you the pride and I'm going to see how you respond. And when Hezekiah saw the pride, he responded correctly. He passed this test because he went down on his knees, probably on his face, said, God, I have become proud. And not only did he do it, but he went to the city, he went to the nation and said, we become proud. We think we are something. We think we've done something. But it is God who has done it all. It is God who has given us the victory. And from that place of repentance and humility, God is able to pick Hezekiah up and lead him through the rest of his reign with success and with victory and with safety and with peace. Now, unfortunately, as we've read, God knows what's going to happen. Actually, Hezekiah's son goes completely the other way. God's judgment ultimately has to come. And the Babylonians do come in and take everything from Jerusalem. But God had seen the faithfulness of Hezekiah. And as it were, he responded to that and said, I'm going to reveal to Hezekiah his pride so that he'll repent, so that my judgment will not fall on him, so that the nation can know more increase. And can you see the mercy of God in that? The mercy of God is this. Oh, grief. <laughs> just, just look to the time. <laughs> the mercy of God is this, that God had bigger plans for Hezekiah, as we heard last time Adrian spoke two weeks ago. And God wanted to make sure that Hezekiah's heart was in the right place to be able to fulfill the vision God had for him. That is the mercy of God in this. God left him to reveal his heart, knowing Hezekiah would repent, would step back and say, God, you have done it all. He wouldn't have that argument that I had first had when I looked at this verse. All that we've accomplished, you have done for us. He was able to say, God, all all that we've accomplished, my kingship, the safety of the nation, the precious jewels, the olive oil, the cattle in the stalls, you did it all. 
I merely followed you. Jesus says, I am the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. I believe with all my heart for open door, I believe for our nation that God has some amazing plans for us to see his kingdom be extended across our nation, see his kingdom extended across Kettering and Northamptonshire to once again send people around the world to help the disadvantaged, to take the gospel. But to do that, our hearts have got to be in the right place. All that you've accomplished, all that we've accomplished, you have done. That's where Hezekiah had to come to. God is going to continue to purify our hearts so we serve him with ever-increasing faith, joy, and diligence, knowing we have a great God who's here to accomplish great things. And I, for one, want to be part of it.